Hello and welcome to the Word of Life Church Podcast. We're delighted you've chosen to spend some time with us today. We believe that today's message has the power to inspire and elevate your faith journey. Before we dive in, we'd like to express our heartfelt thanks to our partners. Your generous contributions make it possible for us to continue spreading the gospel, serving our community, and carrying out our ministry. If today's episode moves you and you'd like to be a part of our mission, we'd invite you to become a partner. Your support has an everlasting impact and allows us to reach even more souls. Now, let's turn our hearts and our minds to the Word as we begin today's episode. Uh, So I have something I want to talk about tonight real quick. We won't go long, but I do want you to leave this place making a decision, and then we'll get over and worship again and just see where the Spirit of the Lord takes us. But the decision that I, I want you to make is just to develop a deeper habit of prayer. And I, I know that that's an incredibly simple, uh, but it's something that until you do it, you will never see the best God can do. Um, the other day, I was talking to Reese. Um, Reese is my, my oldest child and my only daughter. And um, she's about to turn 17. In fact, she'll turn, right? What? What happened there? Uh, She's about to be 17 on Tuesday. Tuesday is Reese's 17th birthday. And um, she's going to babysit on her birthday. That's the that's this type of girl she is. Oh, but, but out of that, we've got, don't worry, we've got something special planned for her that she does not know about yet and that type of thing. But uh, Tuesday's her birthday, and I was standing in the, the kitchen with her the other day, and I was just so impressed with who she's becoming as a young woman of God. And, of course, anytime you're impressed, you need to say so. Um, you always, always uh, compliment and encourage. We are encouragement starved. And in fact, um, some of you, if you'd like to operate in the gift of prophecy more, how many of you think, yeah, hey, I'd like that in my life? You know what is a good on ramp to that? Start by encouraging people. The spirit of prophecy has a spirit of encouragement to it. And so start with things you see in the natural and just say them to that person. Uh, you're just so courageous. I love the way you did A, B, and C. Or you're just so brave. Or you're just so smart. Or whatever it may be. And then just see if the Holy Spirit catches anything. So I I try this with my kids a lot and others. Uh, But anyway, I was just standing there in the kitchen with her and just, I'm like, sis, that's what I call her, sis. Um, I'm just so impressed with you. And I started listing some habits she has in her life. I'm like, do you know how long it took me to get those habits in my life? Like she wakes up every morning at 5 to 5.30, wakes up, does a little Devo, goes to work out, then goes to school, then goes to work, then comes home, does all of her schoolwork. I'm, I, I kid you not, like, I, I could not have created a perfect, more perfect child. Now, we're still working on her brothers. I joke, but, like, she just has all, and some of you who have kids, you may under kind of understand this. She's just like that, that kid I've never had to, like, watch, like, or, or like, really, really, like, what are you doing over there? You know, that kind of thing. It's just neat. She's got so much responsibility. She's got an old soul, all those kinds of things. But I was complimenting several habits that I saw in her life. And I said, you know, if there's any habit that I could give you as a young person, 
And this is the truth. Like there are many habits that I would love to give everybody on the planet. Uh, like the habit of saying thank you. Come on. Like the, right? Uh, the habit of manners. You know, the, the, and so I was going over all these different habits. But I said if there's one habit, if there's just one habit that I could give you, that if you had this one habit, it would change absolutely everything. It would be the habit of prayer. Now, for a practical step, for those of you who are looking to develop this habit, uh, they say if you spend 18 minutes a day on anything consistently every day, 18 minutes a day consistently every day, that in a year you will be better than 95% of the world at that thing. So you spend 18 minutes a day on your PlayStation, Madden, whatever it may be, you'll be better than 95% of the world at Madden. You could whoop me. You could whip you know, people in this room who don't play it. You, you do it on a guitar. You, you might not be world famous with a guitar, but you'll be better than 95% of the world's population. It's just kind of one of those funny laws of things. And so if I thought when I heard that years ago, if I could be better at, at, at anything in the world, um, you know, than, than anyone, like 95% better, what thing could I implement that would impact every other thing? And prayer was that thing I decided on. And so if you could, at the very least, and this is something I do daily, if you could, at the very least, carve out 18 minutes of your day, maybe you even set a timer on your phone and put it on the other side of the room, but you sit down with your prayer journal and pray 18 minutes a day. I promise you, over the course of years, and, and this is big because a lot of people want weeks, and this is one of the things I was telling Reese the other day. I'm like, look, it, this is years. But I'm like, if you keep going in the direction that you're going, you'll look up at 27. You'll look up at 37. You'll look up at 47, and you will see God take you places you never could have imagined. And that's when we start talking about the rapture, and she's like, will I even make it to 27? I'm like, I don't know. Uh, you know, that kind of thing. She's like, I just want to find love. That's what she said. I just want to find love. I'm like, you have me. You don't need any of these other people. Like, you were never getting married anyway. Uh, you know, that kind of thing. So, but, but anyway... Um, years ago, I started doing this where I, I took a, a journal, I actually brought mine tonight, and I write down 50 things that are my deepest desires of what I want to see God do that year. I wake up every morning, I do my devotional, I read at least three chapters a day, I read at least 21 pages in a book every day, and then I, I look at these things that God has spoken to me that he wants me to do. And I look at these things that I have spoken to God on things I want him to do. And I pray or give thanks. Now, as the years go, goes forward, uh, the prayer list is, is, is getting smaller and the thanksgiving list is being bigger. 50 things, of the 50 things, as of tonight, I only have six things left that God has not done. Come on, somebody. That's the truth. And every year, every year, this is how I work. This is what I do is I take in December, I take three days, I get away, I fast, I pray, I seek the Lord. And I'm like, what do you want from me in this next year? What do you want me to do? And then I mind my heart for its deepest desires. And we said this before on the Sunday morning we were teaching on prayer. And then I said it that same night is that oftentimes your strongest desires are not your deepest desires. And our deepest desires are oftentimes things that we've left on the shelf. You remember the great woman in scripture? Uh, she saw the prophet going by her house every day. 
And she's like, we need, to, we need to feed him. The journey is long. We need to feed him. And so she brings him in, and she's like, we want to feed you, and uh, he's fed. And then she's like, we want to do more than feed you. We want to build a room on our house for you. And so she builds this, you know, well, she and her husband build this room on their house for him. And he came down one day from the room, and he said, you have been careful for me for all, with all this care. And he said, the Lord wants to do something for you. And she's not giving him any answer. And so he's like, do you want me to speak of the king? She's like, speak of of you to the king. She's like, no, I dwell among my own people. And he's pressing, but she's not even in tune with that desire. And then her servant speaks up and says what she really wants is she's never been able to have a child. And immediately her deepest desire came to the surface of what she really wanted. Because what you really want, I I promise you, is, is, is... A lot of it is not materialistic. And what we said on that Sunday morning with the woman with the issue of blood, we used that example. Jesus looked at her and said, woman, your faith has made you whole. And I asked you to write down what would make you whole. And I just felt tonight when I was thinking, okay, like I can preach on anything that I want to preach. What, what, the Lord just kind of brought that back to me and he's like, you need to tell them to do that. Like, seriously, do that. What would make you whole? Like, as long as blank is not in your life, something is missing. And it could be um, you, you feel like it's a relationship. For her, it was a child. For Abraham and Sarah, it was Isaac. They saw God move in all of these other arenas, but they really felt like if we didn't have a child, something would be missing. For the woman with the issue of blood, it was her health. Um, It was she had an issue of blood in her body that that just was not working for the Syrophoenician woman. It was her child who was vexed. Um, You know, what in your life uh, would give you a sense of wholeness? There, There are genuinely things in my life that, like, I don't even want. Like, in my flesh, I don't want them. But if I tried to forsake them, I know something would be missing. And, and that's how I identified that, well, okay, that's something God wants. You know, really, honestly, all I ever wanted, like naturally in ministry, was the first phase of Lakeland. When I had that, naturally, I was at rest and at peace. I'm like, this is good. It was debt-free. Um, we were running services out of it, and my father always wanted to build on Lakeland Drive. I'm like, check, 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 check. It's a beautiful thing. Debt-free. Uh, we can give a lot to missions you know, that type of thing. But I knew that had I had just given up on that, there would be something from my life that would not be whole. There was something he wanted for me. That even me trying to give up on that thing, like, like that woman, and the great woman, she, she had given up on that. It's like life has removed from that. There's so much so that when the prophet said this time next year, she's like, don't you lie to me, and like starts correcting him. Have you ever, I just immediately saw my mom when I did that. Like, I'm like, I see a finger in front of my face. It reminds me of childhood. Like, you know, that kind of thing. So, but out of that, like, that's how passionate she was, and that's how deep that desire was. But, but honestly, and hear me when I say this, it's also how forsaken that desire was. It was so off the realm of her her radar that it didn't even come to mind when the prophet is standing there saying, what do you want? And God will give it to you. 
Uh, so out of this, I, I really want you, genuinely, I really want you to get a prayer journal and get serious about this and to sit with your heart and, and sit before the presence of God and say, God, what do you want for me? And Father, here's what I feel like I want from you. And to build out a list of whatever those things may be. Now, I not only have that, and this is just, you know, extra, uh, just because I like you. Um, out of this, I not only have that for the year, I have it for my 40s. I started one for my 40s. God, here's what I want my 40s. I had one for my 30s. I had one for my 20s. I have one for my life. That by the end of my life, here's what I feel like, um, you know, would make me whole. And, and I don't know how much longer we have on this earth, but what I do know, and we'll talk about this maybe on Sundays more, is that I'm to occupy until he comes. And so whenever he comes, he comes, but I'm going to occupy until he does. And so out of that, a big part of occupying is prayer, is we come to this place where we are surrendered and we are open and humble before him. Now, I grew up um, a PK, and somebody says, what's a PK? A pastor's kid. Uh, do we have any other PKs here tonight? We can, okay, we've got like four or five PK. What in the world? All the PKs in that. Can we give it up for all the PKs? Like, yes, like uh, it, it was an interesting childhood, but I grew up. I'm so thankful for it, but I grew up around a lot of prayer. In fact, my journey apparently started in prayer. My mom came to me, and she's like, do you know why you were named Joel Nathan? And, and like, that's my, my first and last, Joel Nathan. She, I'm like, tell me again for the, you know, however long time. She's like, I was praying for you, and the Lord said to have a son because she had had two miscarriages before me. And so she, it was that debate of, like, do we have another child? And so out of that, she's like, I was praying, and the Lord said to have you and to name you Joel Nathan, two prophets. Joel, Jehovah is the Lord, and Nathan, who could confront kings with a prophetic anointing. She's like, that's who you are. I've been praying for you. And I'm like, there's the finger. Did you see it? It's like, that was my childhood right there in a nutshell. And then my grandmother, who prayed my father into the kingdom, genuinely, my, my grandmother, there would be no word of life if there was, was not my grandmother. She prayed my father. She prayed in my uncle. And when we, this church years ago, my father and mother were pastoring, we were in Jackson Square. We had the old theater there in Jackson Square. But then across the street, we had like, a, like I say across the street, across the parking lot, we had uh, child care there. And I can remember, like, somebody says, trace back your earliest childhood memory. Like, sometimes you go to counseling, and they're like, what's the earliest childhood memory you have? And out of that, like, that'll be the source of your trauma. Uh, for me, my, my earliest childhood memory is not the source of my trauma. It literally is, like, being a child, like, maybe one, two. And I can remember being in that nursery. And my grandmother would tell me, she's like, everybody else wanted to hold you. I always held you. Like everybody, she's, she worked in nursery and she's like, I always held you. No one could hold you other than me. I'm like, well, okay. Uh, so, but like out of that, um, she said, when I held you, I prayed over you. Like I just prayed over your life and I prayed over you. And my father would often pull me when I'm, I'm walking through my house. He'd like call my name and bring me into his office and sit me down in his chair and be the chair across from him. And he's like, I've been praying for you. And I'm like, oh, Lord, what did you show him? I know this is about to get bad. 
And towards the end of his life, he told me, he said, the Lord has had me pray for you an hour every day. And my, my father never would, like, come out and tell me, like, you've been called to be in ministry or any of those types of things. He was always big on, like, I believe I know what you're to do, but if I tell you, you'll, you'll, you'll not do it. <laughs> you know, because there's that part of us, well, I'm not doing that. He's like, you've got to find it. You've got to find it. And I'm so thankful he did do it that way because I, I did find it. And I, I felt that call, and I came towards it. But I believe one of the reasons why I did is prayer. Now, all the way up until that time, my father passed away when I was 17. Many of you know that. But anyway, all the way up to that time, I had prayer going on all around me. Like, prayer was just what we did. We're spirit-filled, charismatic church. So prayer is, like, all around us. It's in every service. It's at every meal. I'm, I come home from school. I see my dad sitting there doing it. I wake up in the morning. I see my mom there doing it. Of course, you pray for meals and, like, all those kinds of things. So if you had asked me, like, do you pray, it's like, well, yeah. Um, I, I pray and, you know, I, I do those kinds of things and that kind of thing. And then even when he passed away, it's like, do you pray? It's like, well, yeah, I prayed. But there's a difference between prayer and trusting in prayer. Um, because you really only have two options. You will trust in prayer or you will trust in you. And the way you know which one you trust in is when you have a desire or a problem, what do you do? Um, do you go to the Lord about it or do you try harder? Uh, do you go to the Lord about it or do you think about it? Do you go to the Lord about it or do you talk to other people about it? Do you take your care? Like, have you ever read, this, this phrase has been on my heart like for a while now. In the book of Acts, they're like, don't preach in the name of Jesus. They were like my mom with that finger. Don't preach in the name of Jesus. And um, they come before the Lord and have a prayer meeting, and they're like, Lord, behold their threatenings. And I, they told the Lord that. Lord, behold their threatenings. Go and read Acts. Lord, behold their threatenings. And you know what I loved? They didn't get in a room and say, you know what they did? They threatened us. And sit there and talk about it with their company. They took their company and they're like, you know what we're going to do? We're going to pray. Lord, behold their threatenings. We're not going to cast our cares on each other. We're going to cast our cares. O we're not going to cast our cares over on each other. We're going to cast our cares together over upon the Lord. They trusted in prayer. Uh, prayer is what they did. Prayer was who they are. It, it was just the, the fabric of their life. And I've been around people who are like that. And, and honestly, oftentimes, I think for people who are like, well, I'm not a pastor, or I'm just a commoner Christian, or whatever it may be, it seems unrealistic to be like this person of prayer. But I want to encourage you, that is a lie from the pit of hell. You can walk with God like Enoch did. You can walk with God like you can walk with me. He can be a friend that sticks closer than a brother. His presence can be ever with you. You can be aware of him. You can know him. You can know his voice and the voice of a stranger you will not follow. You can genuinely walk with your good shepherd. Be led into his green pastures. Led beside his still waters. He is knowable. It is found in prayer. It is found in prayer. And Satan is not intimidated by our business meetings. He is not intimidated by all your other habits. None of your other habits intimidate Satan. 
None of them. Your workout habit, he's not like, oh gosh, got to stop him from doing that. Like all of those kinds of things. You know what he's really after? He's after you not praying. And he will do anything he can to get you to not do it. He will make you reach for that phone. He'll get you to download another app. He'll get you to watch another episode. He will get you to turn on music in the car. He will get you to fear silence. He will get you to do anything but pray. Because prayer is where you find God. Prayer is where you find the plan of God. And prayer is where you find the hand of God. And I I just want to, to get you into that position. And so for me, genuinely, like I prayed and, you know, I did my thing, you know, that kind of thing. But I didn't trust in prayer. It wasn't like something in me of like, there's chaos in my life, let me pray. Uh, There's fear in my life, prayer. There's desire in my life, prayer. There's frustration with myself in my life, prayer. Um, It it wasn't there. It would be like, there's food in front of me, (laughs) prayer. Um, You know, that kind of thing. Um, And and out of that, um, I, I just lived that way. Even after my father's passing, I'm in Bible school and really, God's presence is meeting me. I did a lot of worship because worship oftentimes, even in the context of this, is just so spiritually refreshing. And when my father passed away, I had a father wound, you know, kind of like the Lord led with tonight. I had a father wound and I felt it like I was so keenly aware of it. And I would find the only word I know for it is relief in worship. Is like you get in that worship present moment and you're worshiping and you just feel cleaned and you, you feel restored. And I get there around community and I get there around people and I would just feel healing and feel good. And so I had worship and I even had a lot of teaching like this. I'm in Bible school, so you're in a lot of different teachings and taking a lot of different notes, but still my prayer life was not really something I was trusting in. It wasn't something that I like did for minutes a day. I'm not even talking hours. I'm talking like, you know, 30 minutes. It just wasn't something that I like did a lot of, not in my car. And honestly, I didn't drive a lot. I walked to to school and pretty much walked to work. They were all kind of right there where my, I lived in student housing. So it was real easy. But, but even out of that, like I'm around prayer a lot and I'm around, you know, church and that type of thing. But I'm, I'm not finding myself like genuinely in prayer often. And so I'm working at this coffee shop. Many of you know this story, but you learn through repetition. I'm working for this this coffee shop. And the coffee shop was owned by the Bible school I was attending. It was an old bank, so they called it the coffee bank. It had the vault in it and everything. I did not like that vault. Like, I don't know. Like, I, I get claustrophobic. Anybody else, can you relate to that? Like, um, I was in a middle seat the other day, and I'm like, this is hell. Like, I'm just, I know this is hell. I know hell is a middle seat forever. Like, this is just what it is. And there's a crying baby behind you. Like, that's hell. So, like, out of that, like, anyway, I get claustrophobic. Like, literally, my wife, a lot of times to mess with me, she'll roll, roll over on my arm. 
And like, if I can't move my arm, I will freak out, like genuinely freak out. And so she knows this and she likes watching me freak out. I'm like, this is not healthy for our marriage. But anyway, so they had a vault in there and I'm like, I'm not going in that vault. (laughs) I'm like, someone shuts the door. It's over. This is old. No one knows the code. Not doing it. Uh, But anyway, I'm there and I'm learning how to make coffee. That's where my, my love for coffee came from. Um, I just have been gifted a Nespresso machine. My life is forever changed. Uh, like this, I gave mine to Hillary when she moved to Houston. Uh, and uh, I, I'm so thankful that she's back. Uh, but I'm also thankful my Nespresso machine is back. Um, and, and out of that, like, I'm drinking like Istanbul. I'm like, let's taste Istanbul today in Tokyo. I mean, it's a beautiful thing. Uh, so anyway, they've got all these pods. So, you know, where was I even going with that? That's where I learned how to make coffee. Uh, So out of that developed like a deep, passionate love for Java. Uh, And and so out of that, though, I'm learning all those things. And one night we're closing down. I kid you not. And you've heard me say this was the truth. I have never experienced this in my life since. I've heard people talk about it. It's the only time I've ever experienced it. But the spirit of God just fell in the room. You read in Acts, like the Holy Spirit fell on them, and it's like, they're all speaking in tongues, or like they're all like in that kind of vein. The Spirit of God fell on everybody in that coffee shop. It was like 15 minutes before close, and everybody in the coffee shop started praying at once. Like, it was so thick, everybody hit their knees. There was, there was nothing spiritual going on at that time other than like the, the ambience music that was playing, because it's a Christian coffee shop. Everybody was praying. Like, genuinely, we were all praying. And I'm there on my knees, and I don't even know how I got there, and I'm praying, and I stand up, and I'm looking at people, and they're all on their knees praying. And it started something where, like, we all knew it was supernatural. People started coming to it. It It's like Book of Acts. Like, I don't know if people heard something, like that kind of thing, but people started coming to it. And that night, we all got together and had a prayer meeting. We closed up, had a prayer meeting. They all came back the next night. And for weeks, we had people showing up at this coffee shop. I'm talking, like, anywhere between 60 to 100 people, all just praying. And it got so much of the coffee shop. It's like, hey, can y'all do that somewhere else? You know, that's a lot of people, that kind of thing, legal reasons and whatever. So this lady had, um, um, we had people from, literally, we were all college students, but we had people from every walk of life, old people, young people, you know, married people, all kinds of people. And this lady, she owned this um, little office, you know, complex in a strip mall, you know, and she just said, here's keys to this one room that is unlocked. I'll give them to you. You can use it anytime you want to pray in it. And so we're like, amazing. So we would go in there every night for months and pray. And it was genuinely, and I've never experienced that since. I have never had, other than that season, uh, a season where I was compelled to pray. Like, what I'm trying to get you to do is to compel you to pray, where it's like you will move yourself to pray, like you move yourself to work out or move yourself to, like, clean up your room or whatever it is that you move yourself to do. But I'm talking like this was so God and so supernatural in my life and now looking back so needed at that season of my life that it was something compelling me to pray. Like, I'm like, I got to pray. 
like moving me to prayer. And it was for all of us. So every night we're sitting in there praying. I mean, night after night after night, we're praying. We're getting like two or three hours of sleep every single night, but we're not feeling it. Like God's grace is sustaining us. Many times I'd go to bed praying, like go, fall asleep praying, leave the, leave the, the prayer meeting, go to go, drive, drive home, pray all the way on the drive home, go to bed praying while in the bed, fall asleep, and I'd wake up praying. Like, I experience things, because I'm a logical thinker, not an emotional feeler. I experience things don't make, that don't make sense. Um, and, like, out of that, people are having visions. <laughs> like, God just showed up. I mean, it was, it was literally, in the world's definition, unreal. Um, and so out of that, just super cool, one night I'm sitting there on my knees, because this lady in her little shop had these folding chairs you could set out. So I'm sitting there, uh, or I'm on my knees up against this folding chair that's here, and I'm just praying, and I'm like, God, what is happening? Because it's not one of those meetings where you're like seeing preaching, or people are taking notes. There's no leader. Like, there was no one leading it. There was no one teaching. We were literally just praying. There was no, like, you know, great worship or an acoustic or keyboard. There was just literally prayer. That's it. And people were coming out for it. So I'm sitting there just praying. And I had this thought. I'm like, what good is this doing? And I, I kind of take that to the Lord. And as soon as that like thought leaves my mouth, I have a vision. And it was one of my first visions I've ever had. And in the vision, I see this massive dam. And on the other side of the dam, think like Ross Barnett, but like 10 times bigger. Maybe like Hoover Dam would be the closest thing. So I'm I'm on this huge dam, and on the other side is this big body of water, and behind me is a dry riverbed. And I'm I'm hanging off the dam on scaffolding, and I've got a pick in my hand and a hammer in the other, and I'm just sitting there like, and nothing is happening. I take the pick out and look, and I'm like, nothing. Put the pick back in. Just hammer, take it out, nothing, kept doing it. And finally, I took the pick out one time, and water started squirting me in the face. And the Lord said, that's what's happening right now. But he said, keep going. I put the pick back in, and I... And all of a sudden, a a, a huge crack went up that dam from top to the bottom. And I'm on this scaffolding hanging off of it. And when the dam broke, this huge body of water caught me, caught my body, and swept me down the riverbed. And the Lord spoke to me in the vision, and he said, Joel, what you're doing now is you are praying for your future. You are having a voice that is going before you, preparing the way that I have for you. He said, Joel, it is my desire for you to wake up every day of your life and find yourself living in answered prayer. It is my desire for your life for you to wake up every day and find yourself living in answered prayer. That you look around your life and it's like, I prayed for that. And you look over there, it's like, I prayed for that. And you look around, it's like, I prayed for that. And you see that, it's like, prayed for that. And you see what's happening in your body, I'm like, I've been praying for that. And you see what happens with your children, it's like, I was praying for that. 
that you find yourself living in answered prayer. This year, I can see, you know, 44 things that when I say, I'm like, I prayed for that. And now I'm not praying for it. It's like, thank you, God, for that. Like, my prayer list has become my Thanksgiving list. And, and what God wants for you is for you to come over to this place where you are giving yourself to prayer. And, and for some of you, it's like, well, you know, wow, well, find the time. Your prayer life is linked to the supernatural. And if you want a supernatural life, you have to have a prayer life. There is no supernatural life without a prayer life. And when I say supernatural, I'm not just talking about once again, you coming to a place where you're seeing God do really cool stuff for you. Now that's awesome. And it's wonderful. Like we need those moments where we're like Peter, where our whole boat is filled with fish. And we're like, before this, we were fishing all night and caught nothing. But when you told us something, we did it and it worked. And you fall down on your knees before him. Like, that's wonderful. Like, I, I long for you to have moments like that. Where, where genuinely, it's like, I just prayed for that. And this happened? Like, that is so cool how that worked. Uh, like, I long for you to have moments like that. Because it does deepen your faith in ways that only that can. A desire fulfilled is a tree of life, Proverbs says. But what I'm talking about, too, is you having a walk with your father that is intimate and real. That you have something with your father where genuinely the Holy Spirit is speaking to you. Like last night, I had a moment. I lit a fire last night. Can anybody give God thanks for fall? Like genuinely, ge- come on. Fall, fall. It's actually kind of cold outside. Like this is awesome. But out of that, I celebrated last night and started the first fire in the Sims house uh, for, for this season. And, you know, my son's out there and he went to bed and the flames are flickering and I'm like, perfect prayer time. And so I just got before the Lord in prayer. And I met with him. And I spoke with him, and I talked with him, and I fellowship with him. I saw him. I, I, I didn't, like, see him, see him with my eyes, but, like, I, I saw him, like, just in my life. And he, he dealt with me, he corrected me, <laughs> honestly. I'm like, it's true. Uh, and uh, that kind of thing. But in, like, such a gentle way. It just when he corrects you, it like, it like calls you up higher. And so, like, I long for you to have that, and you're not going to have that apart from prayer. Uh, the book of Acts is filled, and I'll close with this, but I just want you, I want you to see some things just real quickly. The book of Acts is filled with the supernatural. Like, for the believers in the book of Acts, God and the Holy Spirit was very real. Far more real than he is today in our churches. Um, They knew him. They sensed him. He was shaking buildings like God was everywhere, and they knew it. Uh, But it's not that God liked them more. It's that they had a prayer habit. And I just I want to walk you through just some of these scriptures, and we'll read one after the the, the next. Um, Acts chapter 1, verse 14. You can just underline these things or highlight them. These all with one mind were continually devoting themselves to, to prayer. 
Now, like, we can read that and it's like, okay, on the, you know, verse 15. But, like, look at that and examine it. They were continually devoting themselves to prayer. And I would ask myself, what am I devoting myself to? And, you know, there have been seasons in my life where I've been devoted to ESPN. And I've been devoted to checking that app. Like, if you had asked, you know, me, like, what are you devoted to? It'd be like, eh, that. They were devoting themselves to the act of getting to know the Lord, devoting themselves to prayer. I will do this here. I will take myself to prayer. They're devoting themselves to prayer. And based off of that, we see the Holy Spirit. Like, this was not something that they did. Well, I've got one off. They're doing this for days and weeks, and the Holy Spirit meets them. The book of Acts starts. The book of Acts starts because of this. It doesn't just start because God wanted this. The book of Acts starts because they started doing this. They're devoting themselves to prayer in something called an upper room, and God meets with them and pours out his spirit in a fresh and a new way. Why? There's prayer made. Acts chapter 1 and 14. Look at Acts chapter 2 and verse 42. Uh, We see this after the Holy Spirit is poured out. Uh, They were continually devoting themselves to teaching and fellowship and to breaking bread and to prayer. Notice how uh, uh, breaking bread, the act of communion and prayer, are something that's just being devoted to. And the terminology here of they're giving themselves over to that. Uh, Go over to Acts 3 and verse 1. Now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the ninth hour, the the hour to prayer. And it's there that the first miracle in Acts starts. Where does it start? On their way to prayer. That, That prayer is just at the fabric of what these people are doing. Go over to Acts 4 and verse 31. Like I could take you all through the book of Acts and just show you one after the next. I'm just having fun. Acts 4 and verse 31. And when they had prayed, the place where they had gathered together to pray was shaken, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak the word of God with boldness. Over and over and over and over again. You see God meet with the first Gentile ever in the book of Acts by a man by the name of Cornelius. Thank God for Cornelius, the first Gentile, meaning non-Jewish person ever to be saved. When did God meet with him? When he was praying. What did God say to him? Your prayers have come up ever before me. They're like a memorial before me. When did God tell Peter, like, you need to go minister to the Gentiles? Like, you need to stop ministering to just the Jews. You need to go minister to the Gentiles. When did God tell him that? When he was praying. When he was praying, he fell into a trance. He had a vision. He saw all these unclean animals. The Lord said, take and eat. And he's like, we don't eat that. And he's like, don't call unclean what I have called clean. And this happens multiple times. He's having this vision. And somebody says, well, I'd like to have visions. I would too. You know how you find them? Prayer. And we don't go to prayer to find visions. We go to prayer to find God. Like we're not looking for voices and visions and all these other types of things. But what I am saying is that prayer is the doorway to the supernatural. And you are not going to find um, the things of God, the plan of God, or the hand of God apart from prayer. Uh, When Jesus taught on prayer, he always talked about it in a way where you would have to knock on the door, where you would have to seek where you would have to cry out for it, where you would have to be hungry. Because you know why? What you're hungry for, you ask for. And when you're at this place where you're hungry for God, you're asking for him. And when you are hungry, you are filled. 
And what I want is, is just for you to come to that place where you're praying. And I'll close with this. As people, you know, I've talked to a lot of people. A lot of people who are jaded. I always like talking to jaded Christians. I do. I like, I'm like, give me a challenge. And so, like, out of that, uh, you know, I've heard people who are, you know, struggling with prayer and that type of thing. It's like, I prayed and I didn't see anything. Or I prayed and there was no power. And so what I, I liken this to, and some of you, you're in a Southern culture, so you can understand this. Maybe some of you listening to podcasts, it's like you have no idea what I'm about to talk about. Uh, but, you know, we have hunting and fishing and things like that here in Mississippi. And I'm not a hunter or a fisherman. Like, I'm not. It's just not something I enjoy. I, I like going out with the buddies. You know, you get on. My, my grandfather was like a bass pro. Like, literally, like, the Bass Master, my, my grandfather had, like, all the trophies. Like, so we'd go out there, and I'd fish with him. That was my favorite thing about fishing was being with him. And then hunting, I was always with my uncle. Like, my uncle taught me to hunt and taught me to shoot and, you know, all those kinds of things. And so I never quite clicked, though, where it's like I loved it. Like, I'll do it to be with buddies and friends or that type of thing. But it, it wasn't something, like, I felt compelled to, like, go wake up in the morning early for. But I wanted to give my sons that option and so like for Boston I'm like okay I'm going to take you and teach you how to do these things and if you like it um, there'd be something I can do with you if you don't like it like I don't like it and then you know it's like well you, you know about it, but, you know, you don't have to do it. And so I'm like, I'm going to teach him how to shoot. So I've got a buddy of mine who owns a bunch of land and guns and that type of thing. And so I'm like, let's go learn how to shoot. Set up the target. And every time he's taken his first couple of shots, you know what he's doing? Can anybody guess? He's missing. So he's got something that is very powerful. But if he looked at it, he would think, well, I'm pulling the trigger and a bullet's coming out, but the thing I'm aiming for is not falling down. Now listen to me. I see what I want. I've got the gun. I'm pulling the trigger. Nothing's happening. I hear the sound, but I don't see the result. I hear the sound, but I don't see it fall. Does it mean it's not powerful? No. In fact, you would never go stand at the other end of it. It doesn't mean it's not powerful. It just means he's not proficient at it. Oh, come on, somebody. It doesn't mean it's not powerful. It just means he needs to learn how to use it. And prayer is the same way. You can hear the sound of it, but not necessarily see the thing you want to fall, fall. But it doesn't mean prayer doesn't work. It means like the disciples, we need to come to Jesus and have him teach us how to pray. And you know what the best way to learn how to pray is? Pray. Because you can read every book in the world about playing soccer. But do you want to learn the best way to play soccer? Kick a ball. <laughs> that kind of thing. And so, like, we may take this, I don't know, we may take this and, like, teach you on the art of prayer and teach you some of the things of, like, how to really dive into intimacy and see the targets fall. But the thing that I felt like I was on assignment for tonight is just to stir your heart up to pray. Set aside a time, set aside a place, and just make a decision to make this house a house of prayer. With that, let me pray for you, and let's worship the Lord. Father, I thank you in the name of Jesus.
that you would teach us to pray and stir our hearts up for it. I just see like so many things ahead of you. Like so many things ahead of you, some obstacles that you wouldn't have to face if the voice goes before you. For just as John made crooked places straight and high places low and low places high, a voice going before Jesus. There are some things that if you will learn how to pray for and pray now, there will be obstacles that are in your future that will not be there when you arrive because you prayed that thing out. And there are other things that when you're praying, you will pray yourself in. Doors and things that you are to walk through that only the Spirit of the Lord can open. That only the Spirit of the Lord can let you in. So pull aside and pray. Pull away and pray. Draw near and pray. And you will see mighty things done for you. And you will see intimacy come to you. And you will see the things of the Lord be very real to you. And his presence will surround you with peace. For many of you, your heart has been agitated and filled with turmoil. But it is because you have been disconnected from your vine. And what you're experiencing is, is the drying up process. But if you would reconnect to him, if you would abide in him, you will bear much fruit. You will see the things that you desire to see be produced through you. But it is the connection with Him that matters the most. Apart from Him, you cannot do it. So pull away and pray. Come aside and yield. Take a moment to draw near into his presence and be filled. Father, we thank you. We will pray in Jesus' name. We yield to you, Lord. And we say, have your way in the name of Jesus. Let's worship the Lord tonight, and while you're doing that, if you want to pray, you can pray. Come to the altar. You can come to the altar, but let's just have a moment where we we draw near to him.